Well, we thank the Lord that he is still on the throne. He has not relinquished his spot, nor will he. So tonight we're going to be at the beginning of the hope for Israel. We talked a little bit about it last time in the prophecy against um, the, the watchers on the wall. Now we have a prophecy against the shepherds. And the point of these prophecies is a charge from God to the leadership of Israel because the leadership of Israel is responsible for the state that Israel is in. So to the Lord, they are responsible. Now, this judgment against the shepherds, though, is not going to focus on what is God going to do to the shepherds. This judgment is going to focus on the Lord will be their shepherd. You guys have read that somewhere before, haven't you? You guys heard of the 23rd Psalm, right? The Lord is my shepherd. John chapter 10, Jesus came and he gave a teaching that upset a lot of people. What did he say? He said in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. That is in direct response to the prophecy in Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34 is looking forward, seeing the leadership of man. Let's just go there. Leadership of man is failing, there will be a king that will be able uh, to restore. So Israel is, is fading away. They're, they're really never going to bounce back from this. There's not going to be another king of David. There's not going to be uh, a time when they have absolute freedom. They're going to find themselves under um, uh, the, the boot of one nation, then another nation, then another nation until Christ comes. And they were under a nation then too, you remember, right? Rome. So it's going to go Babylon, then Medo-Persia, then Greece, then Rome. That's who will have authority over Israel. And they'll be conquered multiple times during that time, both uh, not by Alexander the Great, but by his general, the famous one, Antiochus Epiphanes. He's, he's going to pass by and kick Israel every time he goes by. So, so we look at it, we see, we, we want to remind ourselves, all of this, all the word of God is telling us the same story. Daniel, who is a contemporary of Ezekiel, only Daniel's in the, in the throne room of Babylon and Ezekiel's in the, in the refugee camp. But Daniel has already seen Nebuchadnezzar's dream. He's already told him this dream about the kingdoms of men, you remember, they go from head of gold, chest of silver. They're going to decline in value, and they're always going to give from one to the next to the next to the next until the stone, not cut out with hands, will destroy all the kingdoms of men. That happens in the fourth, in the fourth epic. So you have Babylon, Medo-Persia, um, Greece, and what was the fourth? Rome. And who was born under Roman rule? Jesus was. The rock not cut out with hands that will destroy the kingdoms of men. The king of kings and lord of lords. So here you have this, this prophecy saying, hey, the leadership of Israel 
is not very good. And it just happens to come at a time when we can look at the news and say, you know, the leadership in our nation is not very good. But there will be a king who's coming. And the answer will never be another man. Another man, there's never going to be another man who's going to be able to do it. In fact, that's how the world will throw their arms around the Antichrist, right? Because someone's going to show up with all the answers. And everybody's ready to hear some answers, aren't they? So you can see on the world stage how these things can happen. So we take a look at the prophecy against the shepherd. The first thing he's going to talk about is the abuse of the flock. Let's look. Uh, verses 1 through 6. Now the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, <coughs> prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. So the shepherds of Israel, it's, it's actually all throughout the ancient Near East. Every culture in the ancient Near East looked at their kings or their pharaohs or whomever as the shepherd of the people. Multi, there's, there's no shortage of of uh, writings from that time that declare one ruler or another to be the shepherd of the people. That's why it's important that we remember the 23rd Psalm because David, long before he ever became king, said, the Lord is my shepherd. He is the guide. The leadership of man is always going to crumble. Because man is corrupt. Amen? Christ is not. And so he, he goes on. He says, now here's what I want you to say. Say to them, even the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, uh, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? So the first thing that he's going to talk about is the shepherd's indulgence. The shepherds are really good at taking care of themselves. Well, for example, we'll close the whole nation, but my winery will stay open. Or we'll make a mandate that everyone has to, to wear masks or, or what have you, but we don't have to follow that. We have our own special rules that we follow. The leaders of Israel were, were growing fat off of the backs of the people. They were, they were enjoying the indulgences that they gained from what they could take, but they were not taking care of the people. They were taking care of themselves. So he's going to say, son of man, here's a prophecy. Here's what he says. You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. So three ways they were indulging themselves, indulging themselves in their abuse of leadership. And this is a section when in God's challenge against the shepherds. These are sins of commission. This is what they were doing that they should not have been doing. Then the Lord's going to talk about crimes of omission. Here are the crimes of omission. It's the shepherd's indifference. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So first they commit 
they're, they're robbing the people, eating of the fat, clothing themselves, slaughtering the fat ones, and they're not strengthening, they're not healing, they're not binding up the injured. They are not helping those who are straying away. They are not seeking those who are lost. The shepherds are just ignoring the plight of the people. Now you just do a little quick summary of history and tell me what nation isn't guilty of these things. What nation did not do this? Right? We even have jokes of, about uh, France, right? Well, the, the people have no bread. What did she say? Let them eat cake. Well, that's because she had a lot of cake, but nobody else had any cake. Let them eat cake. They had indulged in the stuff that the people had. They were indifferent about their plight. And ultimately, they are ignoring. Look at verse 5. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. They became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountain and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or to seek for them. So we see in the ignoring of the shepherds, they don't care about it. They're just trying to get by with what they have. This is the effect of poor leadership and rule. And any nation, any government that will not uphold and abide by the word of God will do the same. And if you think Israel, they, they were supposed to, right? The king was supposed to write the, uh, his own copy of the Bible when he came to the throne. But at the time of Josiah, King Josiah, nobody even knew there was a Bible. They're looking around for, has anybody seen the scrolls? Nope, oh, don't worry about it. Jeremiah, the tradition says Jeremiah's father found the scroll, brought it to Josiah. Josiah read it, wept, and began the last great reform for the nation of Israel. So what is God's judgment? Look at verse 7. God's judgment has come. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for the wild beasts. Since there was no shepherd, because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed the sheep. Right? So he's saying, look, they didn't protect, they didn't pursue, they didn't provide. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherd, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. So the Lord's judgment on the shepherds is to rescue his sheep. You see, as we look toward the hope of Israel, the Lord is going to talk about bringing them to him where he will care for them. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 3 where all of this began, it was man's declaration of independence from God that started it all in the first place. And so the culmination of that naturally, naturally will be when God's people place their dependence upon him. For he is the one who is able. So they will, he will gather his sheep. He will rescue them from their mouths. 
And then he goes on to describe the activity of the real shepherd. And, and what he's describing is his son, Jesus Christ. He says, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. In the beginning was the word, the word was with, face to face with God, and the word was God. Verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We see the beauty of Yahweh coming, the incarnation, and seeking out his sheep. It's important also that you realize in Jesus' ministry... He sends out uh, the 80. He sends out two by two all of his disciples. 80 guys he sends out because at the table of the nations, we have 80 different nations. It's a proclamation Jesus is making in his ministry that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It is crying out that the time will come when the Lord will call his sheep from many pastures, right? Isn't that what he said in John 10? He says, other sheep I have, not in this fold. Other sheep I have. Right now I'm focused on these sheep, but those sheep, they're going to come. My sheep hear my voice, and they will come to me. And so here he says, look, I'm going to, I'm going to, me, myself, will search for my sheep and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that, they, that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. That phrase, on a day of clouds and thick darkness, is a poetic metaphor talking about those times when the judgment of God would come and disperse the people as the Lord was judging the nation. Then the Lord says, but don't worry, I'm going to come and gather you to me. I'm going to gather you to me. In two chapters, he's going to tell us that he's going to give them a new heart because their heart is deceitfully wicked. Isn't that what Jeremiah declared? The heart is wicked above all things. The Lord says, look, I'm going to take their heart of stone in Ezekiel 36, and I'm going to give them a heart of flesh. He's going to begin alluding to the new covenant, the restoration of the nation of Israel, and the hope for all the nations. So as we look at these final chapters, 30, 34 through 36 is going to be, maybe 37, is going to be focused on the hope of Israel, um, 38 and 39, hope for the nations. So we're going to see this as we go through God drawing, pulling his people, those who have been scattered, bringing them back to himself. He will seek them out. Verse 13, and I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them, <coughs> excuse me, into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in the inhabited places of the country. So the Lord, as he's promising to his nation, he's saying, look, I'm going to be your sustainer. I'm going to be your protector. I'm going to be your provider. All of this is 
is a way for people to recognize that we are not able to do this alone. Have you guys figured out yet you're not an island? That we need help all the time for things? We need help here, we need help there. Well, the Lord is saying, look, I I told you through Daniel, I showed you through Isaiah, I showed you in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, I've laid out this idea for you that the kingdoms of man are just corrupt. And so I'm promising you there will be a day when there will be a kingdom with a good king and I will be your shepherd. I will take care of you. I will give you all the things that you need. Listen, he says in verse 14, I will feed you with good pasture. I will feed you. You shall lie down. This should all sound familiar to you, right? Right? You guys remember the 23rd Psalm, right? Uh, They shall lie down in in rich pasture, feed on the mountains. I will be their shepherd. The Lord is saying, I am going to satisfy you. There's this whole thing we go through as people where we think that God's not enough. That we need something else. We think that the word of God's not enough. We need something else. The way we've developed society, the way we've developed our nation is all a proclamation that it's not enough. God's word is not sufficient to to help you understand all things. And we say, well, yeah, we got to we got to have reading, writing and arithmetic, right? We got to have all of these other things, but the we we are we are through it all saying this doesn't satisfy if I just need to understand more of this and this. And then if I add that to God, perhaps it'll satisfy. And the Lord's saying, you're going to find out down that road, none of it is going to give you the answers that you want. What gives us the answers that we want is our relationship with him. He says, I will feed you. I will satisfy you. He made me. He knows what I need. And he's declaring that it is him that I need. He also says, I will strengthen them. Look at verse 16. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. And the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. The Bible teaches us that God is justice. You and I, we can't do, we don't do justice very well. We do our version of justice. But our version of justice just doesn't always seem to add up as it ought to. Because you and I, we don't usually have all the facts, do we? Even when we think we have all the facts, we don't have all the facts. And so we need the justice that comes from the Lord. For he knows it all, doesn't he? Does he know the guilty? For sure, and which of us isn't? He knows what is needed. He is able to strengthen strengthen them. I I want you to think what Isaiah, <coughs> Isaiah, as he was speaking of similar things, Isaiah, he was telling the the children of Israel this attitude that the Messiah was going to have when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords came. 
And Isaiah wrote this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the broken, to pro proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what Jesus read in synagogue outside of Nazareth, Isaiah 61. Just like what the Lord is laying out for us as we look back at Ezekiel and we see the Lord say, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek them. I'm going to find them. I'm going to bind them up. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to be strength for the weak. This is all a proclamation of the beauty of the shepherd we have in Jesus Christ. And I will strengthen them. And as for you, my flock, thus says the Lord, Behold, I judge between sheep and sheep and ram and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture? And the idea, the attitude is that there are, are those, a differentiation between sheep and goats. And here the Lord has provided this incredible pasture, but there's always those who want to go out and ruin it. Isn't it enough that you have good pasture? You don't want to tread down the rest of the pasture? Why, why, what are you doing? Why, why would you tread that? Is it enough that you have a drink of clear water, but you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? So there are, there are the attitude of the, the sheep and the goats, those who are willing to be led and follow the Lord and those who will not. And they trample down the grass and they stir up uh, the water and make it muddy. So listen to what the Lord says. Must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet? He's saying, look, I'm, gonna, I'm going to separate the sheep and the goats. I'm going to separate them. You can read about it in the book of Matthew, right? The judgment of the sheep and the goats. He's like, I'm going to separate them. The Lord knows those who are his, those who belong to him, those who are focused on him. So the Lord says, verse 20, therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will judge between the fat and the lean. So the ones who are, have much and the ones who have little, because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock and they will not be prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. So those sheep that want to keep down their brother. Now we've just been going through the book of 1 John and in 1 John John gives us warnings, right? He warns us against the attitude of Antichrist and being deceived. And then he challenges us with the same subject over and over again. He tells you to do what to your brother? Love your brother. He's going to say, if you don't love your brother, you don't love God. So don't say you love God and hate your brother. You can't do those things. What is being described here between sheep and sheep? Fat sheep and lean sheep, sheep that take advantage of other sheep. Is that loving your brother? If we go through 1 Corinthians chapter 13 again and we read God's 
definition, biblical definition of love and how love is described in 1 Corinthians 13, it certainly doesn't say you make sure you take care of yourself first. It doesn't say, hey, you know what? You only live once. Make sure you get yours. That's not what it says because it's not God's way. That's our way. So the Lord says, look, I can judge between sheep and sheep. You look the same. You're fat. I see you push your brother out of the way. I see the ones that are mine. I see the ones that pretend to be mine. But if you're mine, then the character, the characteristic of the sheep is going to follow the shepherd. We'll be like him. Right? If the Lord is our shepherd, if he's my shepherd, I go where he goes, don't I? The Lord is my shepherd. I, I want to be obedient to my shepherd. What is my shepherd asking of me? What is my shepherd calling me to? So he's saying, look, I am your salvation. But sometimes we, in, in our little in our little lives, we think, well, God doesn't know what these, person, these people have done or this person has said. Or, Yeah, he does. The Lord knows. He's still going to tell you the same thing. You forgive. You guard your heart from hard bitterness. And you entrust yourself into the hands of your shepherd. Just like Jesus, when he was beaten, it said he did not threaten. Now, you and I, we, maybe, maybe one or two of us in here could do something about it, but most of us ain't going to do nothing. We can't defend ourselves. We're not. We, I know, I know. We think we were lions once, but we're not lions anymore. <laughs> the, we're, we're not even secondhand lions. We're like fourth, fifthhand lions. And so... Jesus, the son of God, when he was being beaten, do you, do you think that he had to take it? I might have to take it, but he didn't have to. He had more power in a word. He had enough power in the word, I am, to knock 690 Roman soldiers on their backside, only speaking a word. But he did not threaten. He did not respond. What did he do? He entrusted himself in the hands of his father. He entrusted himself into the hands of his father. He is calling for us to trust ourselves into the hands of our father. He is our salvation. I can't save myself. He can. We trust him. And he says, look, listen to verse 23. He says, and I will set over them one shepherd. How many shepherds? Yahweh is my shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Only one shepherd. Jesus is Yahweh. He says, I will only set one shepherd, my servant, David. That, my servant, David, is synonym for the Mashiach Nagid, the Messiah, the Prince, the 
coming king, the king of kings and lord of lords, Jesus Christ. He will feed them. Oh, interesting. Did Jesus feed them? Oh, funny how that is, huh? Like 5,000 of them with no food. That's a pretty good shepherd, no? He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. So all of this looking forward to the deliverance of the people to uh, and through their Savior, Jesus Christ. And here's what the Bible teaches. There will be a day at the end of days when Jesus is going to gather up all those who are saved. And he's going to, like, like, a, like someone brings tribute to, a, to another king, he's going to gather up all the redeemed and he's going to bring them before God the Father and he's going to give them to him. Look, Dad. All the redeemed. All the redeemed. I will be their Lord. I have spoken. Verse 25, and I will make with him a covenant of peace. I will banish wild beasts from the land. Now, you've read Isaiah 11, haven't you? People get confused about it all the time. We, we sing a song about the lion and the lamb. And then because Jesus is both a lion and a lamb, we think that the Bible says, the lion shall lie down with the lamb. But that's not what it says. The lion lies down with the ox. The wolf lies down with the lamb. A child plays by a cobra's den. And you know anything about cobras? I should have Josh tell you something about cobras. Cobras mean. Look, I, I grew up in Southern California desert. We had rattlesnakes everywhere. All the time. You know what I never had? Never had a rattlesnake chase me. They want to be left alone. I want to leave them alone. Everybody's happy. You know what kind of snake don't do that? A cobra. You get anywhere near a cobra and a cobra wants you. Wants to bite you, wants to spit on you, wants to, it's, it is super aggressive. But what does the Bible say? A child will play by the cobra's den. Why? Because the Lord says, I'll banish all wild beasts. In other words, the animal kingdom goes back pre-fall. The, the chaos in the hearts of animals is going to be quelled by their king. The Bible says all creation groans, longing for the day when the sons of God will be revealed. And the Redeemer will come. He says, I will banish wild beasts from the land, and they will dwell securely and sleep in the woods. They don't have to be afraid. They don't have to be afraid. Right now, there are things in the woods that will eat you. Yeah, if you're sleeping in Island Park, it's a grizzly. Be careful. But the day will come when our shepherd will be our safety. Verse 26, and I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. I will send down the showers in their season. There will be showers of blessing and the trees of the field will yield their fruit, and the earth will yield its increase, and you shall be secure in their land, and they shall know I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke, deliver them from the hand of those who enslave them. Look, he's talking about sin. 
When the Lord talks about breaking the yoke of that which enslaves us, we may focus on all these other nations, but all those other nations that enslave us are a picture of that which so easily ensnares us. The sin. He's going to set us free. He's going to deliver us from bondage to sin through his son, Jesus Christ. They shall no more be a prey in the nations, nor shall the beasts of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely, and none will make them afraid. I will provide for them renowned plantations, so they shall no more <coughs> be hungry and no longer suffer the reproach of the nations. The, the day of vindication will come when all who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ will be vindicated by his presence. And the people will not mock. There will be no scoffers because they'll see him. The Lord says, you won't be hungry anymore. So there will be times of hunger. But when we see him, our great provider, won't be hungry, won't be thirsty. The struggle will be over in the presence of our king. Verse 30, he says, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them. Listen to that. Then they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them. The Lord shall be with us. Oftentimes, and we're going to talk a little bit when we get to Ezekiel 40 through 48 about another temple. Do you know why the Lord doesn't need another temple? Because you are the temple of God now doesn't need a building. And he says, you will know I am the Lord their God with them. In their presence, with him. The book of Revelation declares the exact same thing. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And there will be no sun there. For they will not need light. For the Lord shall be their light. His presence with us. And that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God. You are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture. I am your God, declares the Lord. I am yours. Look, as, as the Lord begins, you can definitely hear a different sense in Ezekiel's prophecy, right? There's not a doom, death, sword, famine, pestilence, fire, darkness, the end of the world, the stars falling from the sky. No, what's he talking about? Restoration, redemption, renewal. Because that's the plan, the hope that God has for the nation of Israel. That's the hope that God has and the plan for the world. That's the hope and the plan that God has for us. For he is our shepherd. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word declared to us. Lord, we thank you for all that we can see 
of you on every page, God, who you are, what you've done for us, how you have been a provider for us. Lord God, I just pray that we would have a heart willing to see the beauty of our shepherd, how good he is to us, how much he has provided for us. That we recognize the truth of what the word declares, that Jesus Christ is the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. God, we thank you for your promise in Ezekiel pointing to those days. We thank you for the beauty of what you have declared. And we ask, Lord God, that you would be glorified and magnified as we set our eyes to you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.